Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. We dealt with the series on lift up your head. It was a prophetic word that God gave us because God is saying he's coming in. Tell your neighbor he's coming in. And so lift up your heads, O you gates and be lifted up, you everlasting doors that the king of glory might come in. But for, for, for kingly entrance, there must of necessity be a lifted up head. So he's not coming in to heads hung down. It's lift up your heads, O you gates. That the king of glory might come in. And who is this king of glory? He is the Lord strong, the Lord mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. The Lord of hosts is his name. And we're expecting, I don't know about you, but I'm still expecting great, a great entrance of the warfaring dynamic locked up in God. He's not coming in, the Lord Jesus, meek and mild. He's not even coming in as peaceful, as loving, as kind, as gracious. How he comes in is how he is described. He is the Lord strong. Remember Gibor, mighty, a tyrant, a warrior, chief, commander in chief, that will be intolerable of any threat to his will. So he's coming in in a warfaring di- dimension. He's the Lord strong. He's the Lord mighty. He's the Lord mighty in, in battle. The Lord of hosts is his name. And we want that dimension to come in. But... For him to come in, he says to his sons, Now you lift up your lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And then um, the Lord told us prophetically the past two or three weeks that God is about to open doors of influence to us. This is a word I've been laboring on. It's been the subject of my personal prayer for the past few weeks. God is going to open doors. Amen. And I pray that you are still expecting for open heavens and open doors. Amen. And um, doors speak of portals. They speak of access points. They speak of entrance into a new realm, a new phase in one's journey. Right? It's the shutting down of one era and the opening up of another. Right? And I really want to encourage you, discern the time that you are in. Discern the season that you as a family are in. Shut down one era, open up another in the spirit. Shut down one mentality and open up uh, another realm in the spirit. God is about to open up doors and we are beginning to see this in ways that are literally astounding us. I want to encourage you to receive this word by faith. Amen. Hear it with faith. Why could not Israel enter the promised land? Hebrews 3 and 4 tells us for two reasons, right? Unbelief and fear. There's a lack of faith and there was tremendous fear associated. So a door can be standing before you. God is saying, I've brought you to the edge of the wilderness, as it were, after 11 days journey. And now you're about to, he sends the spies out to spy the land and you're about to enter in. So it's critical at that juncture in one's journey where a wilderness has been, ex- a wilderness has been concluded. And in their context, it was approximately 11 days. And God says to you, I offer you 
to make the decision. You decide whether you want to go up. You decide whether you want to proceed into the next phase of my dealings with you or not. They elected not to. Ten spies said, we are like grasshoppers in our sight. So are we in their sight. So their perspective of themselves became in their mind what they thought the enemy thought of them. Notice the order. We are like grasshoppers in our sight. So, therefore, we are the same in their sight. So your perspective of yourself becomes your enemy's view of you. If, you, if, you have, if, you, if, if your identity is damaged, and if you don't have the right configuration of who you are in Christ, it is possible, listen carefully, it is possible to come to the end of a phase and fail right there simply because of a, a false sense of who you are, of identity, and of what the Lord has given to you in your hand. Um, you think that what is possible, and what is impossible with men is possible with, is possible with God. And so I, I speak to you prophetically as I say this. I feel many of us have come 11 days out of difficulty, and the Lord is saying, I, oh, you know, God will never force you into the land. If, if I was God, uh, thank God I'm not. I'm just saying in that context, if I was God, I, I would have said to them, I wouldn't even offer them the privilege of spying it out. I would have killed every giant in their path and say, no, this has been yours. This has been my plan for, 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 from, etern- from before time and, e- and eternity. Why must God hang? Listen carefully. Why must God put at risk the entirety of his plan on the decision of 10 men. And 10 men which said we can't. And what did that do? Deferred destiny for another 40 years. God says I will cause you to wander in the wilderness for, for 40 years. Right? And I'm saying to all of us. Especially heads of households. Leaders. The decisions you make as a leader impact all those under your rule. Those 10. Remember the, the spies were who? The spies were leaders from each tribe. So the decisions they make impact everyone under their, their rule. And I want to encourage you for this season. The, des- the, 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 the place that you come to in decision is not only, only going to de- impact you. But your decision is going to impact a host of people either negatively or, or positively. Right? And um, I, I told you, I didn't tell you the details, but Sam gave me a prophecy. Uh, last week Wednesday, and he called me after dinner, and he said, uh, amongst many things, don't lay your substance before those that don't see you as a father. Don't put pearl before swine. Right? Now, Sam is a, is a godly man, as you know, and he's a notable apostle. And, and when he puts his hand behind his back, and he says, now thus saith the Lord, and he, he's not even talking, oh, no, right, I think, don't cast your pearl. He's not saying, I think, don't lay your substance. He's saying, thus saith the Lord. Don't put your substance before those that do not see you as a, as a father. Don't put pearl before, before swine. Um, for that, he said this, for that makes you feel like you are, de- you are the deficient father. Right? And he knew this by the Spirit. Right? God have had to have spoken to him. He knew this by the Spirit. 
And he says, for when they don't appreciate you, you are made to feel inept. You are feeling like, what am I doing? But thus saith the Lord, there will come those to you of higher skill than you that will submit to your Father in grace. Like the mighty men came to David. Right? right? And I'm saying this to, to all of us. Everyone say identity. You see, I'm not, I'm not sure the, the, the construct of the mind of the ten spies, because they were all fathers, they were heads of the tribes. Right? And so their estimate, how long did they spy the land for? 40 days, not so? They spied the land for 40 days. And they inspected every uh, strength and weakness of the land and its people. They went in covertly under the radar and they went throughout this you know they saw everything spies with hidden identity looking at promise that they were prophesied they will possess and then they come out and they conclude we are not able to go up go in and possess the land for we are like grasshoppers in our own sight and indeed we are in their sight right now listen carefully these are not ordinary people saying that. These were the leaders of the whole tribe. These were supposedly the most mature amongst the clans. These were not your ordinary run-of-the-mill sons of God. These were not even Johnny-come-latelys. <laughs> these were men. These were astute men. And you would have, by this time, have thought they would have had a much accurate estimate of who they are in, in God. I'm saying that to say this. Listen carefully to me because I'm, I'm fathering many of you. I'm at a new place of my ability in Christ. I really have by His grace come to this place. I will no longer think of myself inferior to those that do not regard my Father in grace. I will not allow that to impact who I am in God. For if I do, when I come to a place, I will say, I'm not able to go up, go in. You see, the father, the leaders of the tribes, I suspect, were influenced by those under their rule. Hence, they had a deficient estimate of who they were in God. Amen? So I say to you, Joshua and Caleb were the only ones unaffected. Remember? Those fathers said, no ways. We are well able to go up, go in and possess the, the land. One from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, and one from the tribe of Ephraim, Joshua. And I want to encourage you. God says in the, in, in the Old Testament, there's a prophecy which says, I will take the stick of Judah, and I will take the stick of Ephraim, and they will become one stick in the hand of the, of the Lord. And you see, brethren, the mindset that says, I will, we are able, we are able to go up, go in and pull, possessed the land. That mindset became God's choice. For when the Mosaic, uh, Moses' season had ended, who does God choose to take the people to possess? Joshua. Right? And when Joshua's era had ended, right? Remember upon his death, right? Who did God elect? Which tribe did he choose to finish the work? Judah. Who shall we send first? They send, send up. Judah, I want to encourage you. I'm trying, I'm trying to, to get you to appreciate this fact. The decisions you make now 
are going to have a lasting long-term impact prophetically upon you and your children. So what, what, what am I doing now by my disposition? I'm saying, God, I'm entrenching patterns and templates, not just for me, for Liam, for Matthew, for Ray, for everyone under my rule. They must see that things in God are accessible. Right? We are setting patterns for our, for our children. And only true tribes, I, I, I could almost hear the frustration in Caleb, almost feel the disappointment in Joshua, because they outvoted 10 to 2. 10 are saying we can't, they are like two witnesses. You know, can two walk together unless they be agreed? I want to encourage you, learn to agree quickly in the season with the demands of the Spirit of the Lord, right? Uh, the God learned the, the lesson years later, I mean, after the, the 40 year under Moses' rule, when they went to, to attack Jericho under Joshua's leadership, how many spies were sent in? Just two. Because God learned the lesson 40 years ago. Don't send 12. Just send two. Right? Because 10, 12 come back, there's 10 against two. In other words, what did God, God not, what, I don't mean that irreverently when I say God learns, because God knows all things. But the principle is this. Don't send 12. Send the power of witness. Two is the power of witness. Send the power of agreement into assess. And when they came into Jericho, Rahab received the two spies. Remember? Right? And the, the Rahab view was the men in this city. They told the two, spy, uh, the two spies, they quake in fear because of you, the sons of Israel. Right? And they, and, and they, and they came back to, the, to, to report to Joshua this positive report. I'm just paraphrasing what they said. I can just, I can just see them. Okay, they down the wall. Because Rehab's house was in the window in the wall there. So they let down the wall and they come back in. Now, you must know Joshua is, he heard a report 40 years ago. He's saying, Lord, please. I've known reports of this nature from 40 years ago that are mixed with fear and unbelief and cause your, post, your purposes to be postponed. I can see, put yourself in Joshua's shoes. Right? Maybe, maybe he said, maybe I should have gone because I went 40 years ago and I came back with a good report myself. Maybe I should have just chosen Caleb and myself to go do the spying for ourselves and come back and infuse faith. But he delegated this responsibility. And so I can, I can imagine the man's heart. And what joy. I'm just paraphrasing these, these two spies. I would have loved to have been the, one of those spies. Two spies coming back and say, Joshua, city is ours. What's the strategy? What is the Lord saying? The city is ours. We are well able. Tell you, tell your neighbor, well able. Well able to go up, go in, and take the city. Right? Take the, the city. I'm saying this to you because God's going to open up not just personal doors personalized uniquely for you in your world. There's going to come a corporate door open to this, this, our, our corporate structures, the corporate group, the corporate church. And when that happens, there must not be elements of faith, of faithlessness, of fear, and of, and of unbelief. I want to appeal once again to us. Stand with me in this new quest. Stand with me in terms of where we are going now from this point onwards. Certain realms have closed. And I decree this we are in a brand new phase of our journey corporately. Right? There's a line drawn in the Spirit, like, like Moses did. And the sons of Korah rebelled against him. Right? I want to encourage you. There's a line drawn. And we're going to be building God's purposes 
with far greater acceleration and far greater accuracy than we've ever had before. But in this new season, what was tolerated previously will not be tolerated where we are going. Right? Because it's a brand to whom much is given, much is required. Right? Much is required. Sam said this to me as he prophesied. He said, and I'll never forget the, his phrasing of it. It's, it's, a, it's a Samism. <laughs> Statements unique to Sam. I call them Samisms. Right? He said, it's, it is true to the nature of God to when you have been faithful in little to certainly give you rulership over much. And he says, for you, this is inevitable. Right? For you, this is inevitable. Because you are faithful with the little, now you will rule much. Brethren, I beg of you, do not be faithless now. Many of us, we want breakthrough, even pro prosperity, financially. We want certain things, but we haven't proved our fa ourselves faithful in the least. At the school, Sam said this, money is the least threshold in the kingdom of God. It's the least indicator. That's why Jesus said, if you have been faithless in that which is least, or faithless in that which is another man's, how can God entrust to you the true riches of the kingdom? Amen? So I want to encourage you. You see, open doors are contingent upon positioning. Right? It's, it's all dependent upon how one, is, how one is positioned. And if ever there was a cry within my heart at this school, was to know the deeper things of God. I mean, those of you at the school, I'm sure this was your cry as well. He's saying, Lord, increase my understanding, increase the depth of my perception, increase my handle on things that you are releasing. It's the glory of God to hide a matter. But it's the prerogative of kings to search the matter out. And I'm saying, Lord, show me the deeper mysteries. Then the Lord, I'm hearing the Lord constantly at the school saying to me, Randolph, how can I entrust to you more revelation? I want to see faithfulness with what you already have. Right? And when you pass that level of faithfulness, I can entrust to you the, the true riches that will never, ever pass away. Amen? And so I, I declare that we are going up, we are going in, and we are possessing a brand new land. A brand new territory. A brand new phase of existence. And I pray, come with. Tell you ever come with? Come with? Come with? I'm not going to beg of you. I'm asking you, come with. Many of you are robbing yourselves of relationships. You know what? The, 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 uh, when I came here from the school, um, I, I thought, wow, I'm such a rich man. I really, the words, I'm so rich. I've got such rich relationships globally. Right? There's no place in the world I cannot go to and not have brothers that love me dearly. Right? Such a rich man. And the words that Naomi said to Ruth hit me. Your people will become my people. Remember, your God will become my God. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. But the statement hit me. Your people have become my people. Thamo's people have become my people. Thamo's friends are my friends. Thamo's associations have become... I've come into... Listen carefully. A man is as rich as his relationships. I'm convinced about this. I've come into significant blessings simply because of the people I know. And some of us are robbing yourself of your next open door is locked up in your next critical relationship. 
Your next significant, some of you are not extending yourselves beyond known relationships. And let me just say this, if this only, if this circle is your only sphere, then so far will you grow and no further. But if you simply take the chance to extend beyond the familiar, even the familiar friend, the familiar family circle, trust, you'll see how the Lord will open to you possibilities never ever before realized. I want to say it again. I feel very strongly about this. The next open door for some of you is in your next critical relationship. Conversely, for some of you, this is a warning, your next breakdown could be the wrong association. Relationships must not, relationships are discerned. They're not discovered. You have to discern the accuracy of a, of a relationship. And I want to encourage you, um, have faith. I appeal to you again. Let my people become your people. I'm say it again. If you're my son to the Lord, you must come to this place where you say, I said this to Tamo, and I shared with you the message I sent to him. Your people have become my people, and I'm the richer for it. I'm the wealthier man for it. Amen? Um, I will never forget this when we were stranded in um, uh, Jomo Kenyatta Airport in Nairobi, Kenya, when the place was bombed, remember? And uh, I was traveling from Kisi, which is an hour away flight, to Nairobi to get the plane to travel back to Johannesburg. And uh, on the morning I was leaving, it was 6 a.m. in the morning, and I saw on CNN in my hotel room, uh, the, the news just struck. Somebody called me, a friend of mine called me, and said, he said in his text, Randolph, I don't think you're leaving uh, Kenya today. Have you seen the news? That's all he says. I put the news on, put CNN on, on every single global news channel. Jomo Kenyatta Airport is, is on fire. The international departure section. Not any part of the airport, but that part is on fire. I thought, well, um, I found my travel agent. Who st- uh, here's the deal. Yes, this is how beautiful this thing works. Petro Rousseau is now my travel agent. But she's Thamo's travel agent. And Thamo said, I must use. No problem. You stuck. There's, there's calamity anywhere in the world. Immediately I text Petro was in Johannesburg. Petro, what's the story with SAA? What are their plans to get their passengers out of here? She says, Randolph, don't worry about a thing. I'll be in contact with you soon. I said, she said don't worry, just relax, just try and mull around. Um, and I stayed another day there. The next day, okay, she, she contacted me. She said, go, get this flight. Uh, I booked a flight for you. There's a flight traveling from uh, Kisi to Nairobi. Um, but we're not sure whether they're flying out today, but at least get to Nairobi. So I said, no problem, I'll get there. When we land, SCA counter in a little tent, because all the buildings are black and on fire, and they say to us, no, 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 um, the fl- first flight will only be tomorrow. Now, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm in Nairobi, and uh, I've got to find a place to sleep. Right? What do I do? I found a friend of my father's who I met two years ago at James Mbuguya's conference when I accompanied Tamo to the conference. And I met Michael Wari, a businessman in Nairobi. And we, we, we struck a relationship, we struck a friendship, and we kept in contact via Facebook. So my first thing, let me phone James because he's my closest brother in Nairobi. James and Lucy are out of the country. 
in a, preaching at another conference. I thought, well, Michael Worry. I phoned Michael uh, on Facebook. He says, yes, what's your number? I'll call you now. He phones me. He says, where are you? He, says, he knows what's happening. Where are you? I said, I'm stuck here at the airport. And all he says to me, no problem. Stand at such a, go outside, stand at this building. A taxi is coming to pick you up now. I'm taking you to a hotel. Right? And he puts me up in the, this uh, five-star hotel, the Southern Sun, at his own personal cost. I felt like I was on holiday. <laughs> the way I was treated. Right? Sorry? God is good. Amen. <laughs> and uh, he says, what? Listen, don't, I'm coming to pick you up. We're going out for supper. Go out for supper, this family. I've, and now I've got the opportunity to meet Michael's wife and his three kids. Right? And I find what a brilliant mind the wife is. Guess what is happening? Faithfulness to one man, Tamonaidu, has opened up a world that I never ever thought existed. Tell your neighbor, your father's friends become your friends. You don't know what you are robbing yourself of when you refrain from intimate pursuit of fathering. There, there are breakthroughs that are, that, are, that are coming to you. Uh, when we left Washington a few years ago and we were over, um, overweight with our luggage, right? I, I didn't know what to do. I thought, oh, I was shocked by the amount. Right? Eugene Shepard was standing behind me. He said, Randolph, don't worry, it's taken care of. And he's pulling out his credit card and he's paying for it immediately. My father's friends have become my friends that are leading me into my breakthrough. I'm not saying use people parasitically. I'm not saying that. And now some of you are thinking, now who can I be friend because my breakthrough? No, you can't think like that. All I'm saying is, if you extend yourself, and you know, we don't do this to seek those things. We do it, we, we simply serve the purpose is vested, locked up in our spiritual father. That's all we do, and we are faithful with, with that. Okay? I've been singing since last week, Wednesday, from the Sun Fellowship. Three, four sessions a day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Came here Sunday, went back to the school, sang the whole week. What, what, what is my passion? My father is doing something in his domain. I will do everything in my power to stand alongside him and give support structurally to the ambiance, to the structure of what he's doing. Right? Sons position themselves. Let me just say this. You don't, I can't even begin to tell you the blessing that that brings me. I do it with no motive. I do it because I love my father in the Lord. Right? But I'm saying the moment you do that, Open doors will come to you at an alarming rate in ways you, you can never ever fathom or perceive. Amen? So say it again. My father's friends have become my friends. Right? My father's friends have become my friends. Ruth the Moabite said that. She leaves Moab with existing sphere of relationships. And she goes into the land of the Jews, the land of Israel, not knowing what awaits her. But little does she know but by pursuing Naomi, that Boaz is waiting for her. And she's going to get locked into not just marriage. She's being engrafted into the line, uh, the line of Judah, the tribe of Judah. She doesn't disconnect to any tribe. She connects to the Judah tribe. Right? Can you see the wisdom of God? Amen. And I want to encourage you um, to, I, I prophesy over many of you. Many of you now are going to come into new breakthroughs. Because of new spheres 
of relationships. Your next open door is one relationship away. Amen? That was supposed to be introductory. <laughs> Amen. I want to get to a specific thing. I'll just speak for about 20 minutes or so. Um, we, speak, we spoke of open doors and we said God's going to open up a number of doors for us. Let's go to the next slide quickly. Everyone say a door of hope. Okay, and we discussed this. Next one. I'm not going to go to each one. I'm going to get to a point where I want to stress something. I spoke about supernatural doors, a supernatural door of provision that God's going to open up um, to us. And I want to encourage you to expect this. We then spoke about a wide and effective door. Right? Everyone say wide and effective. The word wide is megas. Paul said, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 12, uh, two, sorry, verse 9, for a wide door for effective service has been opened. Everyone do this. So the wide, the mega, say a mega door. Right? It's a mega door, a wide door for effective service has been opened to us. Energis is the Greek for effective. We get the word energy from this. So where it says wide and effective, it means it's going to be such a significant door characterized by vociferous expressions of work or energy expended, right? It's not, you see, a, an open door doesn't make you lazy. An open door makes you work, right? You can't, God will never open doors to the lazy. In fact, everyone that God used was always doing something. Not so. God never ever came to the man who was idle or bored with life, sitting on the roadside and say, I have the will of the Lord for you. Or yes, the word of the Lord for you. God always came to a man that was busy with something. Remember, Gideon was busy at the wine press. Not so? Right? Who else? Elisha was plowing with his oxen in the field when Elijah came, threw his mantle upon him and said, come, follow me. Not so? Everyone was industrious, industriously occupied with something. And I want to encourage you. Um, be prepared to work now more harder than you've ever had before. Raise the levels of industry. Raise the work ethics. Raise the degree of, of faithfulness. Because I'm telling you, we are going to call, we're going to be called upon to shoulder multiplicity of things all simultaneously. I'm saying that again. We are going to be called to shoulder a multiplicity of tasks that are going to have to be performed simultaneously. And those who bear the responsibility of this are going to have to learn to multitask. Right? Um, you, no longer will the excuse be, but my family time, but my time with my kids, when kingdom agenda is, 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 is put on hold. I'm not saying sacrifice family time for kingdom purpose. We are we, we're high on family. We're high on our, our marriages, etc. What I'm saying is, if you love me more than these, Jesus said, you cannot have any part in my kingdom. Right? Jesus said that. If you love me more than father, mother, brother, etc., you have no part in my, in my kingdom. Right? And I want to encourage you to exhibit a greater level of, of faithfulness in reference to the things that God is called to call us to do. Because the doors are going to be wide. And the doors are going to be effective. And I must have no problem picking up the phone and say, Bradley, I need you urgently for something. Can you shoulder this responsibility the next day? Right? It, 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 um, 
compliance must be reflexive and immediate. Right? We're living in a day where um, you will not even remember we did the gathering series. The gathering series when silver trumpets were blasted in the old covenant. The men had to rally and meet and gather at a moment's notice. Right? They could not tell uh, the trumpet blower, give us a week to decide. <laughs> or give us a week to confer with this party and that party. There's an element that must come back to the church of immediate and quick responses to urgent kingdom calls. Right? But we're living in a postmodern world that says, I need at least a day's notice. For some, I'd need at least a week's notice. Right? Thalmo just said to us, uh, myself, Keith, Winston, and Reggie, I need you next week, Wednesday, Tuesday and Thursday. Come up to the lodge. We're sitting for three days to finalize the statement of faith. But I need you there. What do I say as a son? I'm not even, I'm not even going to confront my wife on this issue. I'll say, and, and because I know her heart, she will gladly give me her, her blessing. The father's purpose becomes the son's priority. The father's purpose becomes the son's priority. And anybody just say, honestly speaking, I can ill afford to do it. Because I've got so much, so much going on, and so much has been going on for the past few weeks. But what will I do? I'll submit myself to it. Because that is going to open up a wide and effectual door. The statement of faith that we are producing is going to be a credible document that's going to be circulated globally. So how do I see it? I see I'm not just acceding to a request. I am part of a committee a process that is generating something that's going to be a global benefit to the church all over the world. So I position myself in that. I'll say yes. Right? No problem. I will be there. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Say wide and effective. Wide and effective. But he says, look at verse 9. But they are what? What are there with every open door? Come on, say it louder. Many adversaries. Do not just be excited about open doors when they come. Be perceptive as to what are the obstacles, what are the enemies to that open door. The word adversary means to oppose, to be contrary, to be placed against, and to lie. The word that is used for adversary, this word in the Greek, anti-chemai. It doesn't just mean, like it says, contrary to, opposed to. If you look at this verse in other versions of the scriptures, it is rendered as a throng of people or a large group of people that stand in opposition. Right? So the adversary manifests in the form of people that will oppose what God is, what God is doing. Many people, whenever God opens doors for you, in fact, let me just say this, and I say this prophetically to all of us. The moment you are on the verge of the next great breakthrough, expect the greatest criticism you've ever gotten in your entire life. The moment you, God positions you for entrance into a wide and effective door, expect the greatest attempts at assassination on your reputation, on your character, on your on on your go, your motives upon your ambitions, and I pick this up in the spirit as I'm speaking to you, right? The the the, the attack against you is lies. Everyone say lies. 
The attack against you will be a spirit that consumes men and will foster lies about you. Right? So expect a lying spirit to come against you with every open door. And the attempt is, it's adversarial. The attempt is to undermine your credibility. The attempt is to listen carefully, reduce the estimation of you in the minds of people. And I warn the house, do not submit to that lying spirit. Do not submit to that lying spirit. In your own world, be it at work, be it within your family, in the, in the, work, you know, in, in, in the corporate community, in the corporate context out there, in the workplace, this is rife, office politics. People hate you. People are always planning. People hate your ascension. People hate your promotion, right? Um, in any work environment, there's always this element of an open door is, is, is open for you, but there are many adversaries positioned uh, against you. But I want to encourage you. I've determined no adversarial spirit now is going to prevent. Stop me from fulfilling what God has called me to do. You see, this, the, the series on Lift Up Your Head was necessary for all of us. Right? I said to someone on the weekend, I will never be discouraged again. You will never see this face sour ever again in your whole life. Maybe my wife will see a snippet of it here and there because she's so close to me. Right? But my visage, everyone do this. My head is up. Lift up your heads, oh you gates. I've taught you painstakingly for seven sessions this principle. And we expect to see results. We expect to see the word become flesh and manifest in your, in your life. Amen. Sam said, if you don't learn the lessons attendant with the measure of your suffering that God allows, then all God does, he will simply extend it or keep revisiting you with it. Son though he was, he learned obedience by the things that he, by the things that he, that he suffered. I feel as such an empowered place in the Lord, honestly. Right? Even if there's a cross, I will say not my will, but thy will be done. So that your purpose at the end of the day can be accomplished. Amen. Will you offer yourself as a candidate for greater suffering. Let me see your hand. <laughs> we don't we don't want to admit to this. You know why? We're not believing the word enough. What did Paul say? I want to know him how? The power of his resurrection. And what? Fellowship of his sufferings. Being made what? Being made conformable unto what? Unto his death. There's a conformity that many sons do not elect for. We don't choose. We don't put ourselves as candidates up for this option. We say, power of your resurrection, no problem. But fellowship of your sufferings? I don't want to know you there. I only want to know you this side of that, of that verse. You see, you can never ever know me in the power of his resurrection. Because death precedes resurrection. You can never ever know the power of his resurrected life until you are knowing in the power of his death. And I want to encourage you. Um, we, we are in a brand new economy. Brand new um, phase of our existence. Where our view of suffering now is mature. I taught you when we did the You We Are Son. That one of the characteristic traits of a mature son. Is his capacity to do two things. Amongst many. Endure discipline of a father. When a father chastises you. You respond appropriately. 
Secondly, endure sufferings. Son though he was, he learned obedience by the things that he by the things that he that he suffered. So are you prepared to suffer well? Are you prepared to suffer with dignity? Are you prepared to suffer a suffering befitting that of a son? Or will you suffer as an orphan? Suffer as a son, but do not suffer as an orphan. The son suffers like this. I know my father loves me. But he has submitted me to this process. I don't know why. I'm not even going to try to understand why. All I know is he has his good intentions toward me. Therefore, I will go through it with absolute dignity, knowing that trusting in his sovereign will and his wisdom to bring the most favorable outcome in me. Now, that is the mindset of a mature son. And I want to encourage you guys in Zimbabwe. I marvel at how you suffer. For many of us, yeah. <laughs> These guys are experiencing as life what some of us know as momentary episodes of what we call the suffering of our lives. But there it's a feature of its ordinary existence. And but this, they have their own unique set of intense sufferings. And all I'm saying is, you see, suffering is a very relative term. It's a very relative uh, experience. Your suffering is someone else's triumph. <laughs> eh? Not so. You're complaining about one thing, that person says, hey, but if you only knew where I am, if I had what you have, that's my breakthrough. <laughs> Everything is relative. Everything is relative. Some people, they don't have a place to sleep. Some people don't have the next, don't know where the next meal is coming from. We, we go through stuff and we complain about the most insignificant things. Yet there are people going through much. And I'm saying all of this to say this. Master suffering very quickly, church. I'm going to say it again to you. Master suffering very quickly. Because from this point onwards, we are going into a realm of suffering that's going, we're going to be dealing with greater principalities on a far more global scale. And if we have been wary, having run with, with the footmen, how shall we run with, with horses? Amen? There's a greater realm. A far greater realm. Uh, in talking to Rods uh, last night, I realized that even our approach to Mutare has now got to be a far more national one. Right? Um, I even want to say this even publicly. Even our times there now are going to be more, more influential to impact the whole city, not just the local church. It, it's, it, and you know when you do that, nobody goes into war without first counting the, the cost. You, you will get uh, lash, or what they call it? Backlash from the domain of the demonic. They will come to interrogate. They will come to inspect your metal. They will come to see whether you are the real deal or not. Are you the hypocrite playing the game? Or are you living out this message? Right? And you don't give any, any reason for Satan to attack you legally, legitimately. Right? So we know all of these things. One of the things that Tamar really taught me He's been, he's been through much. And for those of you who know the history of the River of Life Church, there's Kyle who lived in that, who was raised in that congregation. We will tell you stories of sufferings the church went, underwent simply because of Thamo's profile in the spirit. Hmm? Some of the things they had to endure. Debts. Financial challenges. Relational tensions. 
You see, when a house touches the, 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 the nations, it comes under great scrutiny. And, and the Lord will attack, in, uh, the, 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 Satan will come into any weakness within that domain. So I'm asking us to rise up to a greater level um, and to, to really support the mandate, the global mandate that is attendant uh, with our house. Amen. Um, we have a stature. Let me say this honestly. We have a stature in the spirit that is recognized by many. And I pray that it becomes entrenched and consolidated even at its micro level within every family. Right? So I want to encourage you, pursue and don't stand at a distance for great and wide doors have been opened. And some of you will be the beneficiaries of these things. It's not all pain, it's not all suffering, don't worry. <laughs> you know, Paul's first prophetic word was what? I mean, the very first prophetic word that God receives after coming in. God says to Ananias, go show him how many things he must suffer <laughs> for my name's sake. That's Paul's first word. I would like that to be your first word when you come into the kingdom. Paul just got his eyes. Remember, Ananias was sent. He prayed for him, his eyes. Thus saith the Lord. The Lord has sent me simply to show you, Paul, how many things you must suffer. And you will bear his name before the Gentiles. But you're going to suffer. That's why Paul repetitively in the scripture says, Bonds and imprisonments await me. Everywhere I go, he says, in every city, the spirit witnesses in my spirit that bonds and imprisonments awaits me. Right? Most gladly, therefore, will I rejoice in my infirmities. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Paul had, and you know, suffering is an elementary doctrine. The baptism of fire is a basic, fundamental thing. Not so, right? And that's why uh, Sam is releasing his book now, the elementary printer. It's becoming a textbook on basic doctrines. At the school, there was this unmistakable reversion back to the revisitation of fundamental things. Because the church is tripping up on things which should be elementary, like faith towards God, repentance, doctrine, all, all the doctrine of baptisms. One of them is the baptism of suffering. And it says, listen carefully to me. How you handle suffering is foundational. It's an elementary in your journey. Because the writer of the book of Hebrews says, that is elementary. If, you, if you're still struggling there, how on earth are you going to go on to teleos, or per perfection? So I would encourage you, Crystal, master your suffering. Next time you suffer, say to yourself, I'm securing foundations. I'm establishing. Because I'm, I'm determined to go on to the next level. I'm going to go on. I'm going to handle this experience with such dignity in the spirit. Because I am determined I will go on unto perfection. Amen. So tell you about wide and effectual door. So I warn you again, brethren, um, be careful about a lying spirit. You know, lies is not ordinary lies is not even human lies is demonic who is the father of it satan himself is the father of lies in the old testament the prophet a whole group of prophets were, were influenced by a lying spirit right so be careful of lies right be careful of lies do you know um okay i'll get there just now let's go on we spoke about a door of faith. Let's go on. I want to get to some, a point. We also spoke about doors to preach in the Lord. We spoke about a door of utterance to speak forth the mystery of Christ in ways that we should. We also spoke about finding your brother 
when you, when you have an open door, don't just pursue the open door. Prioritize relationship first because Paul said, yeah, there was a door open, but verse 13, I had no rest in my spirit for not finding who? Titus, my brother. And some doors are not meant for you to walk through alone. You've got to find your brother and take him with you through the open door. Right? And you walk, this is a corporate spirit. Right? You walk in company through the opportunities that the Lord affords you. And I long for this. Let me share my heart with you. I long for this. I long to take many of you through the openings that God opens for me. But for some of you, I can't at this stage. Because I know I'm going to expose you to a level of warfare for which you're not ready for. And I'm saying it's, it's going to happen at a far greater degree. But I'm saying rise up. So when, when, these, when these doors open, we can venture through. In team. How did Paul function? He took Silas. Remember at one stage? He took Timothy at another stage. Initially it was Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark. But Paul always, and yeah, he says, I must find Titus. Paul always wanted to move in company through the opportunities that the Lord unveiled to him. Amen? Then, we looked at prison doors, remember? And this, the Lord really spoke to us profoundly, where the Lord is not just opening the doors of the prison, but what is he doing? He's breaking the foundation of the prison. It's different. To open the doors, yeah, he didn't just swing the doors open. What did he do? He broke the foundation of the structure that imprisons. Not just the open door to leave you out. You see, if this prison door opens, it means the prison is still intact. But God is just not intent on maintaining or opening the, the door to that structure that, that imprisons you. He wants to break the power of the prison itself. A mighty earthquake came, and the Bible says, and all the doors just swung open. And let me just say this to you, like I said to you previously. Many prisoners went free, not so? Everyone, everyone say everyone's chains. You see, God was releasing Paul and Silas, but everyone gets the benefit of their liberation. And I want to encourage you. There's a host of people's uh, freedom contingent upon you. As you come out, you're going you're, you're gonna to cause uh, to be activated the release of many people within your sphere. Right, The prison is usually in your mind. And I'm saying to you prophetically, dismantle that thought pattern you have. Dismantle that way of thinking you have. Because it's keeping you locked in a domain that God does not want you to be in. Right? God wants to break. What does the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, bringing into captivity what? Every thought. Right? Every stronghold, every imagination, making that captive, bringing it captive, and making it obedient to the knowledge of Christ. You see, brethren, the, the, the breakage that must happen is a mental one. The prison door is something in the mind. Your greatest hindrance is the way you are thinking. Your greatest hindrance is the, the mentality of the thought pattern within your mind. I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. But think you must. But if you're thinking wrongly, God can't do anything. Hmm? And I want to encourage you. Be free in your thought life. Be free in your mentality. Okay? Tell you never break the prison structures of your mind. Let's go on quickly, Liam. This is what I want to focus on. 
You see, Paul and Silas' release brought release for others. Jesus said this to Simon, Peter. Simon, Simon. And what does the word Simon mean? Yeah. The word Simon, Simeon all mean the same thing to hear. You who can hear, you who can hear. Simon, Simon. Twice he says it. You who can hear, you who can hear. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to you, the church. He's saying this. Satan has demanded permission to do what? To sift you like wheat. But I have done what for you? I have prayed for you that your faith might not fail. And here's the thing. If you look, look at the, the word for, for trial, or demanded for trial, or permission, as Satan has demanded permission, that word in some versions, and in the Greek, it reads like this, has requested for you to put you before a jury and to put you legally on trial. That's the image in the Greek. Right? So there's the sifting of Satan that he wants to subject Peter to. Listen carefully. There are some sufferings that God will subject you to because he's father and he knows he wants to develop certain things in you as his sons. But there are other sufferings that you will go through that are simply attacks from the enemy. God will also use those things. But you know, the enemy comes to sift you. And you know, you, you know sift, what do you do? What do sifts do? They separate, right? Sibs separate and sibs refine. You put the flour in there and all the hard parts stay at the top. And the fine flour, the pure as it were, will drop to the, to the bottom. So Satan requests to refine you like wheat. Right? And because the intention of Satan is always punitive, it's always uh, for destruction and not for development. Let me say this to you. When God permits you to suffer... It's because he wants to develop certain things in you. When Satan attacks you and you suffer, the intention is to destroy you. God comes to Jesus, or rather, Jesus comes to uh, Peter and says, Simon, Simon, hear and hear with understanding. Your name means hear. Satan has requested, like he requested permission from God to attack Job. Remember? Satan requested permission from God to attack Job. So Jesus comes to Peter and says, you're up you are up. There's a request in the domain of the unseen for your sifting. And Satan is going to be the orchestrator of this. I'm letting him be. I'm having, he's going to have his way with you, Peter. My hands are off. But I will position myself in prayer for you while you go through that. That your faith in the times of your sifting does not fail. Right? And I feel for many of us, we've come to this place. And you feel like God has abandoned you, but he really hasn't. Because he's positioned himself as the intercessor on your behalf. Praying for you night and day that your faith does not, does not fail. Amen. I want to encourage you, however, do not give reason for the enemy to legitimately attack you. Do not break the hedge. The Bible says, if you break the hedge, he who breaks the hedge, the snake will, 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 will bite him. Keep yourself pure. Purity in the season is going to be paramount. A, a leading... Um, Televangelist, I won't mention names, has just now divorced his wife to marry another woman of his desire. And the leadership of the church and all of his infrastructure said, no problem. We're going on, it's fine, let's carry on business as usual, and things go on. Hmm? 
I wouldn't be surprised in the next few years we see ministries like that imploding. Everyone say implosion. Implosion was a word that came to the forefront at the school. There's going to be massive implosions. And even we see implosions of building structures globally that are symptomatic of judgment that God is leveling out against His church. First the natural, then the, then the, then the spiritual. Just last week, a church in, in Santon collapsed. Right? God is using natural things to indicate, I'm shaking the heavens and I'm shaking the earth. That those things which should remain, must remain. I beg of you, don't leave it too late, church. I, I'm here every morning pleading with you. Get your act together. Get your act together. Don't let it come to the place where things are rocking in your world and then suddenly you wake up like when the ark door is about to close and Moses has been there ministering for a hundred years and people say, if only we listened. But now the shaking has started and we haven't built sufficiently up to this point. Watch that you do not give the enemy legal grounds to come into your homes and rattle your cage. Right? But if you're innocent, like Job was, you're a righteous man, like Noah was, right? Like Jesus was. And the enemy still comes against you, having been permitted by the Father. You can be assured that in that context, you will have the prayer backing of a sovereign heavenly Father. An intercessory dynamic of our Lord Jesus Christ working on your behalf. Now is not the time to fail. I, you know, we were talking last night, Rod and I, um, about leadership issues. And I said, now is not the time to fail. You can't mess up now. If you wanted to mess up, you should have done so three years ago. But not now. The, 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 the repercussions now are going to be far greater then based on what you've heard, based on the appeal. In the Thamma read uh, the whole, he um, read scripture laboriously. Tons of scripture were read last week, every session. Those of you who were there, right? the public reading of the scripture, not just in public reading, but even within the sermon, large chunks were read. And we, we literally read Solomon's whole life story. You know what the Bible says about Solomon? The Bible says God warned him. How many wives did he have? 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's a thousand women. There are only 365 days in the year. He's, Thomas said his PA must have had nightmare problems trying to administrate his program. Right? How can a man get so lustful? How can a man get so fleshly when the Bible clearly forbids intermarriage with foreign nations? And the women he married were Egyptians, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites. Every eight God said, I hate. He said, I'll marry the woman. And when he was old, the Bible says, the woman turned his heart away from the Lord his God, and he made them serve these foreign gods. Chemosh, Mokom, Ashtaroth, etc. All the, all the gods of Baal. Right? You see, when, when you allow things to slip, and you start to compromise on the little, or you might just say, okay, this program, I know it's unsavory, but I'll watch it nevertheless. I know what I'm watching. God abhors. It's abhorrent to the nature of God, but I'm finding entertainment value from it. You start, with, you start compromising on small things. And then next minute you know, you're sitting with a humongous problem. And you ask, how did we get here? And you know, Solomon, when God says to him, when God warns him by the prophet, sends him and chastises him, 
and, and says how he's going to wrench the kingdom away from him and the kingdom will be split but it will not happen in his time for David his father's sake but it will happen in the lifetime of his son you know what God says to him and God says but I have warned you I have warned you and God says I have spoken to you twice concerning this issue but you would not hear right? when a man gets hard when a man's heart gets so hard thanks there can only be a negative consequence and I want to encourage you to not take the grace of God lightheartedly. This is a season of great sobering. Right? Tell your neighbor, do not fail now. Jesus said to Peter, I've prayed for you. That your faith will not fail. But here's the thing. He says to Peter, he's almost like confident. Eh? He's warning him. Hey, please, brethren. I'm saying this seriously to us. Jesus said to Peter... Satan has come to desire permission to put you legally, demanded you for trial, put you legally on the stand and test you in every sense of your life. And I'm saying to us, the Lord, through this verse, he's saying prophetically to me, to this company of people, Satan has demanded all of you to be sifted. You are up for trial, you're up for inspection to check whether you are the real deal or not. But the Lord has prayed for us. But here's the thing I want to encourage you with. I like what he says. He says, once you have what? Once, some versions say you converted, eh? Excuse me. Once you are converted, do what to your brothers? Strengthen your brothers. Peter, what Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, I know you're going to go through much, but Peter, Jesus prophesies about, but Peter, I see a turning in you. I see you're going to come forth a different man. And when you come forth from the place of testing and weakness, and you come now into renewed strength, you have a responsibility to strengthen your brothers. Right? And I want to encourage you, think outside of yourself. Many of us, we are only in receptive mode. I want to be receiving, 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 as long as it's well with me, my family and I, and, and nobody else, but as long as we are well, let me just say this to you. The moment you start to give and you live a life sacrificially to benefit others, you'll be amazed at how the Lord takes care of you in ways that will literally astound you. Literally astound you. And I want to encourage you. Strengthen your, your brothers. Sift. Yes, look at the Greek word for sift. It's sanazio. It's a nice sounding word. Eh? You're going to be sanazioed sifted it means to agitate you know like you put the flower and you tell your neighbor your life is about to do the get this it's like god's about to shake things up in your world why he wants only the pure to come forth but everything that is unrefined he wants to be removed right it means to prove how by trials by afflictions by the inward agitation to prove one's faith to the verge of overthrow and yet says of Jesus, Hebrews 2.18, For since he himself was tempted in that which he was, in the things he suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. You see, because he was tempted, he's able to come to the aid of others. Peter, Satan's going to sift you. But when you are strengthened, when you are turned, now you focus up your efforts upon strengthening everybody else in a similar condition as you were. Amen? Strengthen your brothers. Tell your neighbor, strengthen the house. 
Come on, strengthen the house. Let me just... Okay, we won't. I think we, it's a good place to stop because of time. If I start this, we're going to go on forever. Amen. For our guests, we have the gift of continuation in this house. <laughs> but we can also discontinue. So, amen. Stand with me. Put your iPads, put your Bibles down. Stand with me. We are well able to go up, go in, and possess the land. We're all on the brink of a brand new era. Your father's people must become your people. Father's friends must become your friends. Your next breakthrough is vested in your commitment to a specific relationship. Primarily, it should be a fathering relationship. There's a whole world attendant with that domain. But if you stand aloof, and if you stand hard, and if you stand incalcitrant, hardened you can be so near things yet be so far things and I want to encourage you come closer there's a brand new expectation doors are going to open for us but there are many adversaries why doors will open for us but there are many people opposed to it expect this in your world expect this in your your workplace some of you expect this in your family there will be huge opportunities but there will equally be formidable expressions of satanic opposition against that which God is, is, is calling you into. But do not fear, the Lord God is with you. Satan can sift you, but Jesus is praying for you. He desired, but I have prayed. And when you are converted, be responsible to strengthen your brothers. Be responsible to strengthen those within your sphere. If you love me, you would say later to Peter, feed my sheep. Remember? Peter would betray him three times, remember? But he would say three times, if you love me, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. The expression of your love for me is going to be seen in how you're feeding others. Think outwardly. Think outside of yourself and strengthen your world. Strengthen your environment. Bless everyone within your sphere. Leave a legacy um, where people think of you and say, wow, he came into our lives and he strengthened us in our trial. He has suffered at one point, but he was turned. He was converted and he's come out to strengthen the brothers. To strengthen those around us. Amen. Tell your neighbor we're going to have a strong house. You see, there's a, there's, there's a level of fatherly strength and fatherly um, that I can do for you. I can encourage you. I can build you up, which I will always do. But there's a level of strengthening that happens laterally from one brother to another brother. Strengthen your brothers. Strengthen those to whom you are you're rubbing shoulders with. Amen. So I pray that this will be your experience. Lift your hands to the Lord. Amen. An open heaven and an open door is what you've promised us. And so, dear Father, I thank you for your word to our hearts. Lord, we're expecting wide and effective doors for great service. We're expecting significant portals to open. Help us not to come to the edge of our wilderness, into the entry of our Canaan, and at that critical juncture, be wrecked by identity deficiency issues, filled with fear and unbelief, saying we're not able to go up. We're like grasshoppers in our sight and in the sight of our enemies. Help us never to get to that level, Father. We express today our confidence in you. We are your sons. We have an identity vested in your nature as Father. So, Father, I pray even now, I pray a, a deposing of every false 
identity in our minds concerning who we are and what we are able to do. We are able to do all your purposes. Well able, like Joshua and Caleb said, to go up, go in, and possess. Thank you, Father. We declare with our mouths we are able to steward your purposes. We want to. We want to put your kingdom first. This is our desire to seek first your kingdom and all your righteousness. And all things will be added to us. We declare like Jesus, it's my delight to do your will. My meat is to do your will and to finish your work. I pray, O God, every adversarial foe that comes up against us will be neutralized in the name of the Lord. The open door, but there are many adversaries. Right now, I take authority over every lying tongue. And I declare to you in the spirit, you will not have your intended effect in the name of the Lord. Every curse, every misrepresentation, every inaccurate conversation, I break your power in the spirit. It will not prevail over the sons of God. It will not prevail over the life of this corporate church in the name of the Lord. Thank you, O God. The door before us is wide. It's mega. It's effectual. It's effective. It's full of energizing power to do your will and to do your work. To this end, we submit our lives. Submit my whole family, my whole, my, all my finances, my resources are at your disposal, Father. Use it as you will. I thank you, for, Father, for your prayer for us in the times of our own siftings. Thank you, O God, that when we are put on trial, that you are always standing with us. May we never, ever give the enemy legal grounds to attack. I pray we would not give him a foothold, as your word declares. Not give him the advantage in our lives. But, Father, we want to live lives so pure that no demonic agency will have any intended effect. Thank you for immunization. I thank you we are secure in who we are in you. I pray cover over everyone now. Pray, God, there will be no untoward, unnatural, unsavory events happening in any family in this local house. I decree the immunity and the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and brings no sorrow with it, Father. I bless your people with peace. I bless your people with favor. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. May the Lord prosper you. May your going in, may your coming out be hugely blessed by the Lord your God. May things go well with you all the days of your life. For the Lord has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you an expected end. And a time of prosperity will visit you. Thus declares the Lord your God. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.